to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is part six of our What If series, which is what if the coronavirus never affected the NBA season? So Jalen, what do you believe would have happened if the coronavirus never affected the NBA season? So I think one of the first things that I want to touch on actually is Zion Williamson's stint this year in terms of how many games he would have been able to play and how that would have affected the rookie of the year case. Personally, I felt like before Zion came back that John Morant had it hands down, but there was a lot of competition for who would have been in second place, for example, whether that had been Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, I think Brandon Clark, who is John Morant's teammate, had a fair share of um, moments this season that could have easily kind of slicked him into that position. And um, I think that guys like Rui Hachimura was also coming on strong as well for Washington. So I feel like who was going to be in second place was kind of a toss up. I think as soon as Zion came back, the whole thing got shook up. I mean, the league got shaken, his team, significantly got better just with him being on the floor and his impact on each and every game he did play was starting to kind of skew the number as to is jaw really the rookie of the year or is he only the rookie of the year because zion hasn't been here the whole time and i think that with zion i genuinely believe that jaw morant should win rookie of of the year regardless of how many games zion played this season but With at least 30 games played this year, I think his case would have significantly been stronger than what it is right now. Now it kind of rides all on, like, does he get them to the playoffs? And I kind of feel like maybe it was like that beforehand, but now he only, that's his only opportunity is, does he get the Pelicans to the playoffs? If he does that, is he the rookie of the year? Because it makes up for everything he wasn't able to do by being out for the season at least initially. So I think the biggest thing is that when it comes to Zion's impact, we would have seen a lot more of him. We'd have a lot more understanding of what his game really looks like because we only got him in short bursts. And even then, we would have been able to see exactly how Zion's conditioning would have been able to hold up over a longer stretch because at the time, Alvin Gentry was playing him in, you know, like, interval bursts like he essentially was playing like a couple of minutes each quarter it's almost like a weird like six man Lou Will guy off the bench like just kind of exploding off the bench get his cool little six to ten points each quarter and somehow he would end the game with somewhere between 25 and 30 points if he didn't play that much of like the fourth quarter for example so I think Zion's impact on the rookie of the year race would significantly be different if coronavirus didn't strike. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that if the coronavirus didn't strike, I think we definitely could have seen much more out of Zion. 
I think we would have also seen a full-fledged battle for Rookie of the Year between Zion and John Moran. I said in the previous episode that if the Pelicans make the playoffs, I think Zion wins Rookie of the Year. I think if Memphis makes the playoffs, John Morant wins Rookie of the Year. So I think the battle really could have come down to the last three to five games and how well those two could have played. I think also if the coronavirus never affected the season, we definitely could have seen a true battle for the eighth seed in the Western Conference between, like I said earlier, Memphis and New Orleans. But we also could have seen which L.A. team could have been number one in the West because that was a tight race between the Lakers and the Clippers. And we also could have possibly seen Toronto make a run for the one seed in the East considering Milwaukee closed out the halted season on a three-game losing streak. I think we could see the emergence of a new team that can make a run in their conference, a team already in playoff contention, like the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Heat, and even the Orlando Magic. We could have seen a team out of contention try and make a run for the playoffs almost out of nowhere, like the Phoenix Suns. Most importantly, though, I kind of feel like that we would have seen, I think we would have had a definitive MVP at the end of the season. We should have expected the unexpected if the season had a conclusive ending. I mean, I definitely understand that. I mean, one of the biggest things we could take away from coronavirus striking in the first place is that in what was a competitive, uh, what was in a really competitive league overall this year, um, the unfortunate thing that's going to take place is the asterisk that is marked next to whoever it is that does win the championship. This was a year where a lot of different things could have went um, the league's way. There was a potential chance for an L.A. versus L.A. Western Conference Finals, which still is on the table, but of course it would have been under different circumstances because they would have played a lot more. They more than likely wouldn't have players like Avery Bradley not playing on the team. Granted, they did just sign J.R. Smith, but you know certain teams are already losing guys to the return of the league start because of things like coronavirus and a lot of social justice stuff taking place in the world right now. So there's that, and you know, with that asterisk being marked on whoever it is that does win the championship, it does kind of water down the season even more than it kind of already has been. So I think the biggest thing about it, and when you were touching on it beforehand, is there's a lot of different storylines that were impacted by the length of the season. We were able to see certain matchups multiple times. We were able to see a team like the Pelicans play their way in to the playoffs through a stretch of games while also seeing Zion grow. We were able to see whether or not Memphis was good enough to hold off a team like the Trailblazers, who was injured for most of the year, but was literally about to get Nurkic back right before Corona struck. So it's things like that that really could have affected the way this season went out because we would have seen all kinds of things happen. And you know, now we kind of just get to see like the abbreviated version of it. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that we have to see the abbreviated version because I think this season was really going to showcase how great the NBA really was. I think it was just really open because I feel like there were a lot of teams that could have made a run to the finals. I honestly believe six teams can win the championship right now. And I feel like that we could have definitely seen like who would have been the strongest out of the six teams that I feel like could have won the championship. I think the other thing too is that with Portland, I don't think anybody really expected them to struggle this season, the way that they've struggled, but they've been battling injuries and they've had a lot of struggling 
with their stars like uh, C.J. McCollum. He hasn't really been playing well this year. I think that with the return of Yusuf Nurkic and even Zach Collins, I feel like that definitely could bolster their front court a little bit. Like I said earlier, I do kind of feel like a team like Phoenix, who was really hot like or in the early parts of the season, I feel like a team like Phoenix could really make a splash in the playoffs. I think that could happen as well. I also think that with a team like the Wizards, basically giving a second chance, now under the the leadership of Bradley Beal, I feel like they got a chance to really make a splash too in this conference tournament, make, maybe knock out the Brooklyn Nets or the Orlando Magic. I just feel like a lot of things could happen with this with this new restart, but I also feel like a lot of things could have happened if the NBA was resuming play. I feel like there would have been a lot of options to see which new teams could shuffle the deck and which new teams could really make an impact on the playoff system. I feel like there's a lot of teams that could really make the playoffs interesting going forward. And, you know, speaking of, like, making the playoffs, like, I don't know if this is considered a bold prediction or not really, but I genuinely believed that this season, coronavirus or not, that one team that was definitely going to see kind of like an end of a dynasty, an end of an era, not so great off-season experience is the Spurs. I genuinely believe that no matter what the circumstances are, their 20-plus year you know, streak of making the postseason was going to come to an end this year. And, you know, they still have a chance, obviously, with this new bubble play-in system and things could significantly change. And I think that the bubble system actually kind of works in their favor a little bit because it gives them a chance to potentially make the playoffs with a lot less chances, but a lot more, you know, in their favor. Because if they do win out or if they do play at a significantly high level and win games, then they can still get in and, you know, maybe under another 20 games or so, it would have been relatively impossible to jump past some of these teams. But with only a couple of games to get themselves put together and right, they have a very young roster with a lot of guards that can do a lot of damage on the offensive and defensive end. So they still could always potentially play in, but I would definitely say that my biggest prediction regardless of coronavirus, is that I think that it's going to come to an end this year. Sorry, Spurs fans. Time's up. Yeah, I think that with the dynasty that the Spurs have had for a very long time, I think, in my opinion, they were probably the weakest team coming into the bubble or coming into the restart. I feel like not only that, but I feel like the Spurs really didn't have the strongest team either. If the season were to were to resume, I feel like the Spurs definitely really wouldn't have had a chance. I feel like they really wouldn't have had a chance to be like a strong contender to make the playoffs. My question to you, Jalen, do you think that the Spurs are the weakest team? If they aren't, who would they be? Um, in the West or in, in terms in of every team being brought back? In general. Oh, man. Definitely wasn't ready for that one. To be honest with you, I have to say that it, it's – I mean, it's still the Wizards. I mean, yes, the, the the East is a lot weaker, but they are not coming strapped full throttle. Um, They're not getting John Wall back this year. There's a potential chance that Bradley Beal might not play in the bubble. John, well, John Wall can campaign for it all he wants to, but it sounds like DeMarcus Cousins 
is not planning on playing this year, even if someone does pick him up um, as a free agent. Bertons, Davis Bertons, who is probably one of the better players in this league that just did not get a ton of recognition this year in terms of the way he shot the ball and in terms of the way he converted in um, fast break situations. He's like in the top percentile in like both of those categories. He's not coming back either because his free agency starts this summer. And uh, with somebody who could potentially get a big payday risking themselves for a season where they might potentially not even make the playoffs even with the play-in, he's watching his own self too. So with them, I think they're one of the teams who was already kind of one of the weaker squads coming back. And to not come back full throttle, or at least with the roster you had before the season postponed happened, it's not looking good. <laughs> Definitely not looking good. Who would you say is the weakest? Do you agree that it's the Wizards? Or I would say, let's, let's rephrase it. Who do you think the weakest team in the West would be then? Because we kind of are, I think we both can kind of agree that the Wizards are the weakest team in the East, not just because they're the only team that really needed the bubble, <laughs> but they're also, they're the team with probably one of the worst records out of the teams that were brought back. So who is it that you think that is in the West that is most susceptible right now? I would say the Spurs. I still say the Spurs. I just feel like talent-wise, they don't really compare to a lot of the teams in the West. They don't really have like a star caliber player either, which kind of hurts them in a way, but it also kind of doesn't. We've seen teams with like no star caliber players make the finals and even win if you look at the 2004 Detroit Pistons. But I feel like in a situation now, with Greg Popovich and the Spurs, I mean, who are you really going to turn to if you need, like, somebody to get the ball in the fourth quarter? Are you going to turn to Patty Mills? Are you going to turn to Deontay Murray? Are you going to turn to Lonnie Walker? I don't know. I'm not really confident, like, who they can turn to. Like, I don't know who they really have as, like, a clear option on their team. I kind of want to reverse the question a little bit. Who do you believe is the strongest team in either the East or the West? So. And this is predicated based off of what happens in terms of Lou Williams, because there were talks of him potentially not playing in the bubble return as well. But I believe genuinely, I believed it before the season started. I believed it as they've continued to make signings and coming out of quarantine, I feel like it is even more crucial. As I've said in the past, um, about this season restart, I genuinely believe that the teams with depth are going to be the ones that have the most success. Teams like the Clippers, teams like Denver, teams like Milwaukee, teams like Boston. Those are going to be the teams that reap the biggest benefits because they have multiple playmakers. They're deep at relatively every position. And coming out of a hiatus like this, this is going to be one of those years that unlike in the past where you're used to the postseason being won by the team with the best player, this is going to be one of those postseasons where the team that plays the most like a team is going to be the one that comes out on top. I genuinely believe that it's still the Clippers that are in the best situation. Signing guys like Reggie Jackson, one of the Morris twins, having guys like Landry Shamit on the bench, Again, if Lou Williams does come back as part of this return, that is huge as well. And then Montrezl Harold, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, say less. And also having a championship-level coach like Doc Rivers on the squad, 
um, and Patrick Beverly being, I guess, the head of that snake, I guess, from a mentality standpoint, with a deep roster, with championship pedigree across the roster, whether it be in terms of literally having rings or being players that have the mentality and skill level to produce on a championship level team, they come back legitimately eight to 10 deep, if not maybe even closer to 12 deep to the point that coming off a hiatus like this, if everybody is participating, they have the kind of roster that can hang with anybody's lineup. And I feel like that's going to benefit them the most. Who would you say was the most, I guess, prepared for a return just based off their roster? I think you made a good point. If Lou Williams does return, I think it's the Clippers. If he doesn't return, I would say Toronto. I think the way Toronto played this year, the way that they can play without Kawhi Leonard, I think this team really kind of proved itself that we don't really need Kawhi Leonard to win a championship. We can do it by ourselves. We have the pieces that we need to make a run to the finals. The way Pascal Siakam has been playing. I mean, most improved player last year definitely has made in some cases, a case for an MVP. I don't think he would win it. I think it's a long shot that he wins it. But he's definitely had some games and some moments where I thought, man, he he could really be the MVP this year. Fred Van Vliet as well, great shooter. Kyle Lowry, he's a good defender as well. You also still have Marcus Saul, OG Anuobi. Guys like them, they could really help you down the uh, final minutes of the game. I also kind of feel like Milwaukee has a chance too. I know you've you've kind of had some doubt about their bench with George Hill, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like that if you if you discount what the Milwaukee Bucks have done with Giannis and Chris Middleton, I definitely feel like that this team has a real chance to succeed in the playoffs. But like I said earlier, if Lou Williams comes back, I pick the Clippers. If he doesn't come back, I say the Bucks for the Raptors. So I guess we should finish out strong with a question that I feel like any Hoops fan can chime in on. And that's, if coronavirus never struck, does the team that you picked at the beginning of the year to win the championship, is that the same team that you feel like will win now? All circumstances that you knew about the team that you chose before the season started and also now that the season is returning with everything that has significantly impacted the NBA on and off the floor, what is your take in terms of who you had before the year started and whether or not your take is the same now? We both said the Clippers when we were doing our like playoffs if the season had ended when it ended. I still think the Clippers could have won, and I'm going to stick with the Clippers. I truly feel like this is the best team in the league. I think with the depth that they have on their team to get them through the, through the long stretches of games, I definitely feel like that this team really has the best qualifications to win a ring. But like I said earlier, don't be surprised if Milwaukee or Toronto make a run. Who do you feel like could win a championship? I'm going to come off as a little inconsistent here. I'm not going to lie. I made a certain take in terms of saying that I felt like the Clippers were going to win the title when we first did our um, bracket breakdowns for if the teams returned, if 
the playoffs were set up the way they are right now without the bubble, what would our playoff brackets look like? I chose the Clippers to win against the Celtics in the finals. And I'm not going to lie, man. I have done a little bit of a flip-flop in the past recent days. And I have to say that I have the same matchup, but I'm taking the other team. Really? The Celtics? I genuinely believe that this is a grace of God's circumstance that really, I think the East being weaker than the West is genuinely going to benefit the Celtics in this return. I feel like in terms of the pathway to the finals, who do you fear more, Milwaukee or the Lakers? I feel like that's a toss-up. Who do you fear more, Toronto or the Nuggets? I feel like that's a toss-up. Who do you fear fear more, the 76ers or Houston? That's where it starts to get a little tricky. I feel like as you go down the list, the path pretty much to the finals in the East goes between goes through Milwaukee, Boston, or Toronto. I feel like depending on the way the bracket is set up, if Boston only potentially has to go through one of those two teams, I feel like they have the better situation. I feel like whether you're the Clippers or the Lakers or the Nuggets or Houston or whoever, even OKC, who came on strong before the hiatus started, I think that regardless of the circumstances, you are going to be playing possibly a seven-game series in every round, no matter who you are in the West. I feel like outside of maybe the Lakers versus Memphis, if it was them in the first round, would it be anything less than maybe six games, depending on the circumstance? I feel like in the East, until you get until until you get into about the second round, the intensity doesn't it doesn't even really pick up just yet. It's kind of almost like e- not really easy Ws, but I mean, I feel like most of the teams that are supposed to lose are going out within five games. It's when you get to that second round where things might pick up and teams like the Heat might come off strong and different things like that. But I genuinely believe that the East pathway is so significantly weaker than the West that whoever comes out of the East may be less battle-tested but more rested and more prepared overall for a final stretch that could potentially go to seven games. I feel like whoever comes out of the West is going to have to scratch and claw for every round that they win. And I feel like that's going to have its own fatigue factor on teams where guys are coming from a hiatus from coronavirus, rallies, their minds are in a lot of different places considering a lot of social and political things taking place right now. All of those things taken into account, I mean, regardless if it's Boston or not, I feel like whoever comes out of the East has a, a, a scary puncher's chance, which I think is different from what most people were saying before the hiatus started, where it seemed like no matter what, the championship was coming back to L.A., whether it was for the Clippers or the Lakers. It was a toughie, but I'm leaning into it now. This is where I'm staying. That's a, that's a solid take. One would say a hot take, but, <laughs> but, but honestly, that, that's what the show's for. And I feel there's people that feel that like the Celtics really have a chance. 
I definitely think they can go far. So we'll see what happens. That was a nice way to end the episode. On the next episode, we're going to dive in into part seven of our What If series. 